We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. Happy to have a, a full house today. And it's one of the real f- fun times of the season. To me, this is the start of the next year, is NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. And Mike, I, gosh, this must be your 12th, 13th, 14th. How many uh, is this for you? Well, my first one was 2006 uh, with the Timberwolves. And Ooh. I've come to every single one except for the ones that were canceled by the pandemic. Right. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I guess that would be well, be like 14, maybe. Wow. So you're a veteran, man. You've done this whole you've done this whole thing, you know, many, many times. Set the scene for us, man. What's it like for you guys in Vegas right now? Well, it's grown a lot, even from 2006. And it's become the NBA kind of vacation in a way. But it's a it's kind of a business trip. But there's plenty of time to hang out with your friends. Right. So, you know, you have to keep yourself in a certain level of condition where you have to perform, whether it's be to play basketball or to do your job, um, but there's a lot of mingling. And of course, the pandemic has influenced some of that. And you know, some people are completely ignoring it. Others are still trying to be a little bit careful about where they're going um, and such. But I would say the mo- for the most part, maybe 90% of people are now operating as if it's back to usual. And um, it's, it's good. I think just kind of like when the first time that you went to any event like out of the pandemic, like that's what it feels like for the NBA getting back on the kind of like when the fans came back to, to an arena, um, it's getting back to that level at summer league too. And the Lakers certainly dominate summer league in terms of interest, in terms of fans. Uh, Las Vegas is a Lakers city and I always love coming here uh, because it's just a, that vibe is around. And it's been a little different for the Lakers just because they haven't had there were the, there were all the lottery years where they were debuting, you know, their high lottery pick. And now it's been more like, hey, who's going to be the Alex Caruso or the Austin Reeves? And is there somebody that so that's it's a little bit different of a perspective from the Lakers sense. But ultimately, that's the way I would describe it. And it's uh, I I really enjoy it. I just would say that I I'm more like now 
a couple days kind of quick hitter as opposed to the original two years where I was coming for all 10 to 12 to now it's like 19 days for those that went to the California <laughs> Classic straight year. Um, so it's quite a grind for for the players, certainly, and for the staff that are at every single day and every single game. Yeah, that's one of those rules about Vegas. If you live close enough to go to Vegas on a fairly regular basis, is that it certainly has an expiration date, at least a, at least for a lot of people. That after a certain number of days, it, it, it ain't as fun <laughs> anymore. I just realized, guys, I didn't give you any, you know, actual basketball discussion there. <laughs> and the basketball for me is, it's like a, it's, it's like super competitive pickup ball where like. Guys are trying to learn the new system. Say, for example, right, we talked to Pete on a couple of pods ago about Darwin trying to put in the 4-1. And so they're trying to learn some of the spacing. But ultimately, they haven't played with each other much at all. And everybody's got their own agenda, as well they should, whether it's Man, to make the, the team. The end of that game, Mike... If I can jump in, I was cracking up at how many hero ball attempts there were in last night's game, whether it was the fourth quarter, OT, even double OT. Like you said, man, everyone's trying to get a job all around the world, and it can lead to some interesting choices on the basketball court. Well, and that's part of it, right? Part of it is that guys are trying to have moments, and another part is that they're not; these are not well-established teams with a well-established pecking order who go to a certain guy or a certain player or a certain look down the stretch. So hero ball is also almost a necessity where you just give the ball to the guy you think can create the most. In the case of the Lakers right now, um, that's going to be Mason Jones. And that's who's been having these opportunities. But it's a, I like that. I just like the energy of the games, but from a, from a basketball purist perspective, right? It's not the prettiest ball um, that you're going to see certainly in the summer league. Yeah. That's why D I look at summer league as something where I'm evaluating individual skill much more than now having a new coach and seeing four out in action. And this is just like the basic principles. I've been really uh, excited about doing a pod. We'll do that this week, I think on the, the four out principles and, and everything that goes into that. But in a summer league environment, like Mike was saying, it's so kind of thrown together that kind of looking at the individual players is something that I tend to focus on more than the, the overall five on five action. And we had, we bought a pick this year high in the second round in Mac. Christie, very interesting player. He's a very unique prospect uh, of the guys that have come through over the last 10 years or so, or 10 years or so, several of which have really carved out a career for themselves in the NBA. What have you seen from Christie so far? A little bit of everything, which I think is an interesting thing to say about a 19 year old, right? Um, one thing I will say is that he looked, he, he looks like he's put on weight from the tape that I watched of him at Michigan State. Now, maybe it's just like the 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 NBA uniform is filling him out a little bit more, but he, maybe it's different camera angles. I don't know. You know how when James Harden would come out with the Nets and he looked like, oh, what what happened? Are you trying to get traded? Because you look big. And then his first game with the 76ers is like, hey, did you just lose 20 pounds? Yeah. Like, what Like, what <laughs> happened here? And so Christy looks like a guy who's maybe put on 10 pounds or so since like the end, maybe 15 since the end of his college season. So he looked bigger than I thought. And my first impressions of him as a player, though, is that he looks like a pedigree player. What does that mean? So what I mean by that is, is that 
he looks like he believes that he belongs out on the court and that he understands how to actually play the game. And so I look at, so you could tell that he was like a four or a five-star recruit. You could tell that he was a high school All-American. You could tell because he just sort of has this way about him that he seems confident in almost everything that he's doing, even if the results haven't necessarily been there, particularly with his jump shot. If there's... One area of the game where I've been most impressed with him, it's his defense. I think that he's been doing a really good job of just competing at a high level on that end and really using his tools. There was a couple of possessions, um, one that stood out to me in particular in the game against the Hornets, where he got switched on to a post player. There was like a scramble. It might have been early transition and maybe Christie was in the corner and there was a situation where he got switched on to a bigger guy and it was on the right block and Christie sort of held up well when the guy tried to back him down and then the big man tried to take like a turnaround jumper over him. Christie contested high and I think the guy airballed a shot or, or it was really short when he shot it. And, and so it was just a hint of the idea like, no, you're not just going to bowl through me. Um, I am going to use the tools that are available to me, particularly his length. And he's shown good timing to me defensively that I think have all sort of been like, hey, maybe there's something here, particularly on that side of the ball, which is something that you want to see for someone who has this background or the idea that like he's going to contribute on offense which is something I really like to see like can you actually do something on the other side of the ball when that's not necessarily what you're known for Pete to redirect to you how close do you think to NBA caliber defense on the wing can Christie could Christie play like could Darvin Ham in December or even earlier, call upon him for a couple possessions, you know, kind of like let him, uh, I, I think he's going to be a good candidate to play for the South Bay Lakers, right? And kind of um, get some reps that way. But how close do you see his level right now? It comes down to his strength. I don't think that he'd be able to play in lineups where there is a big player on the floor who can score around the basket. Because I think that while I, I agree with you, D, that he's put on some weight since his college tape, he has a ways to go from NBA. He's a, it's funny, like the older I get and I always remember hearing – elders when I was younger say this, but like 19 year olds look younger and younger every year. And so like you look at him and he's just like skinny and he's just got such a baby face. It's like, oh man, you're going to, you're going to get challenged in the NBA. There are going to be 25 year olds, 27 year olds, 30 something year olds that are trying to put you in every physical position possible where you have to win a battle of strength against them. And that's something that he's going to lose a lot of those early on, Mike. So, yeah, I'll pause you because remember, I, I saw him in the hallway um, a couple weeks ago, right? Right after he got drafted. And I did kind of a double take. I was like, this is yeah, the youngest man, dude I've like... ever seen in his office. <laughs> but but then when I watched him play in person, especially yeah. in San Fran, I was like, oh, he doesn't seem quite that young now you know, that I see him out. That's in his the element. thing. That's all. He's the opposite, Mike, of how most prospects are, especially at 19, where you'll see a bunch of these dudes in the NBA or in the summer league right now where it's like they're 19, 20 years old. They're going to do something athletically that makes you go, man, look at that. And then they're going to do something that like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Christie on defense is like watching a coaching video. 
in terms of the consistency of his technique and how you're going to like close out and do things like that. So let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get into a lot of the good about Christy uh, that kind of is the counterbalance to how young and, and underdeveloped physically he is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So, First impressions are always the strongest, and we should be careful not to anything that we say or anything that we take from these summer league games to not kind of stamp them too heavily on these younger players. But there's there's something when you're playing on-ball defense called mirroring the ball, and we've talked about this on the pod a couple of times, where one hand is supposed to be in a certain position, and if the ball moves, if, say, an offensive player rips through from one side of their body to the other, you shift that. Right. And so now it's the other hand that's up or out. And then the other one that's the dig hand. Christie does stuff like that. And there is a couple of dozen things defensively in terms of individual technique that a player needs to know that ideally they do it correctly every play. And this is from LeBron James all the way down to youth league basketball. Right. If you chop your feet on your closeouts, if you have your hand up, these are basketball principles that are universal. What is so unusual about him, D, is that he does stuff like that correctly pretty much every time. And that's the opposite of how most 19-year-olds are. And so when you ask me, Mike, could he go out there and give you minutes? I actually think if the other team doesn't have anybody that's going to like 
beat him up physically. I do think he could give you two shifts a night against bench units, against small, but like it'd have to be very particular conditions because there are a lot of guys that are going to physically challenge him. But his defense is so good and so consistent and he makes the correct play on defense every single time. Now, there, I have a lot of questions on offense, but even then, like he's shown me some things where like I, I believe in him defensively provided that he can physically get to a level of strength that he can hold up D offensively. I have, I have more questions, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on his more expanded thoughts on his defense, man. Cause he's really impressed me on that end. Before I offer thoughts, I want to kick it back to you because a lot of stuff that you're talking about is individual defense. It's on ball defense. It's what he's doing when he's playing his own man. Right. And as you know, NBA defense is not just about what you do against your own guy. And, and there's an intelligence. And this is something where young players, yeah, this is something where young players, they can maybe guard their guy, but they're freaking lost in the bigger picture. Yes. And so he's showing a lot of technique things. And so do you see that translating to team defense as well? Because I feel like the way that you're able, that you're actually able to stay on the floor defensively isn't just because you can hold up in in your own matchup because like THT can hold up in his own matchup a lot of times but one of the things that will happen to you then if you get lost off of the ball then you'll just get targeted other ways and then you'll be the weak link in the chain in this way and now that's impacting your ability to stay on the floor then so before I sort of jump in with with my own thoughts about his individual stuff what are you seeing from a team perspective so from his help defense is very good. Uh, I'd say the biggest weakness has been he can be a little high and will get back cut. Um, and then off of the ball, one of the ways that teams will leverage the strength disadvantage, and he's gotten beat a couple of times in ways that it hasn't converted into points a lot, but against NBA caliber off ball shooters, that it certainly will. Where you know when if, if you're a shooter and you're trying to set yourself up to get open, one of the techniques to do that is to actually walk into your defender, right? So say you're guarding me, the and I'm trying to get a three, I'm actually going to walk you under the basket as best as I can. And then there's going to be a little push off, right? I can't get my arm extended, but I'm going to give you a little chicken wing in the ribs. And then I'm going to go sprint out beyond the three-point line. And so that's a place where he's been giving up separation, where guys will lean on him and then they'll give him that little shove. And there's just that strength discrepancy where it's like, and but he's got the motor. That's one of the things I love about him. And, and team defense in particular is really relying upon what I call fix-its, right? There are all sorts of situations on defense where it's like, you're supposed to do this. This guy's supposed to do that. But that guy didn't do that. And now, or you didn't do that. Or your shooter got separation from you because he leaned on you, got, you know, pushed off a little bit, and now he's sprinting out. Well, what do you do about that? How do you fix that, Mike? And so that's something that his fix-its are great. He has a great motor. He's got some physical tools. He'll always have his hand up. I, I was funny. I was I was surprised that his wingspan is only like six, eight and three quarters, I think, because he plays like he's got a seven-foot wingspan. So anyway, I just think he's a really wonderful defender with a lot to work with, but that strength is going to show up in a lot of ways. I was set up to think that he was going to work out mostly just because I trust Jesse Buss and his staff. And this is right in that range, of course, where they've had so many successes. And, you know, having talked to him a little bit about it and just having talked to some of the the guys on the scouting side, what they what they said about his. A lot of what Pete just described, sort of the way that he understands defense, the way that he is willing to play it, the way that. Those are things that if you don't have it, 
at this level of, especially with his kind of a body on the wing, if you don't have that, I just think that it's harder to learn those types of things. Cause that's more about like a, a mental side of the bas- of basketball and like just an, an understanding of what it takes to win in basketball levels that some guys just don't have. And, and basically they're like, mm-hmm. well, if he can just learn this and then all of a sudden you're 10 years into the guy's career and he's still, you mm-hmm. know, just trying to cross people over and, you know, and, and get buckets on one end and then defensively, ah, uh, maybe he'll compete, you know, here or there if the team seems like it needs it, but then it goes right back to what that basketball neutral is for that player. And so I'm, I'm that I am thus attracted to the way that Christie is already approaching things and the stuff like the shooting, as long as the stroke isn't too broken. And Pete, you've talked about how, you know, at certain levels, it needs to, the release is pretty slow. Oh, like, oh, oh we're going to talk about his jump shot in the, in the last so, segment. Yes. So yeah, but, but that is the kind of thing that you do see players improve on dramatically um as the as their career goes on and so i hope that i'm i'm not betraying just the my classic take about the types of players that i like and in suiting that to christy but that is that is something i've seen work in the nba over years uh, is that the certain type of approach and a certain type of size right those are the things that can't be taught and that will get you on the floor because guess who's deciding who's getting minutes for the most part the coaches and if they can trust you on defense you know, then you're going to get some of those early minutes and they're going to teach you the rest of the game that needs to keep evolving. In speaking to both of those points, I think that it's habits to me. Like, what are your defensive habits? And habits get established early. And as they say, bad habits are hard to break. So what Mike was describing is like, hey, if you don't sort of show a proclivity for some of this stuff early on in your career, it's hard to then get that later to do it at a really high level, right? So, for example, a guy like Devin Booker or Zach Levine, they have made strides defensively. And they are now no longer like net negative defenders because they just compete at a certain level. And when you have the sort of physical tools that they do, they're strong or they're long or they've got appropriate size for their position, then guess what? That's all you need to do, really. And Luca is is uh, the same way. And so I look at a guy like Christie and all the stuff that you were talking about, Pete, the hand placement and mirroring the ball, what his feet, like the way his feet are positioned, the way that he's reading what a guy wants to do in terms of attacking front foot versus like where my help is. He's very solid in all of those things. I've also really liked the way that he's played sort of pistols off of the ball that that's like what my high school coach called it right he was just like explain that real quick with shell drill and all that yeah and and so pistols was was this idea where it's always seen your man and the ball when you're off of the ball right and my coach called it pistols because he was just like pretend you're in an old western and you've got a gun in each so, hand. So did, my, so did my high school coach, by hey, the way. Hey, man, this is classic. We're all from the same era. They all speak the same language. It's all mm-hmm. like like they all went to one coaching clinic and they were all taught the same thing, <laughs> right? And so it was called Pistols and coach was just like, Pistols, like make sure that you see, right? And this is where, Pete, you're talking about he can get too high at times and get back cut. But that's mm-hmm. just because he's actually trying to play pistols. And when his guy starts to creep up a little bit, he's going to adjust his footwork so that he can still see 
ball and man. And then yep. NBA players. It's a though, dance that's happening throughout. It's a dance that's happening throughout a play. So it's it's something that yeah, over the years you get more clever at it. But yeah, he's he's in the range of like where he should be. Yes. in in that sort of area. And one of the things, and this goes back to understanding what his tools are, because I think that he's done a very good job at being like this is the positioning that I can survive in defensively and still be able to maintain proper vision between my man and the ball and not get beat appropriately. One thing that I'll be interested in seeing, though, is he's got a technique in terms of how he navigates ball screens that I'll be interested to see if it translates to actual games, because what he does is, is he takes a very steep angle initially, like he's going to go under the screen and he'll read the screener to see if he's going to try to get underneath him still. And then he is then trying to chase back over the top in order to provide back pressure or stay connected with the ball handler. And I'll be interested to see if that continues to work. So this is something, too, where one of the few areas defensively where being skinny is actually an advantage. What is the other thing your coach always told you is get skinny skinny. when fighting over the screen, right? And Max doesn't have to do much to get skinny. skinny. He's already there. He stays skinny. He stays skinny. (laughs) That's right. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about him on the offensive end. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So my biggest skepticism with him is his jump shot. And from a catch-and-shoot standpoint, I see there are like really beautiful elements of it. Let's start there, right, where he gets shots up on balance. He has a very like pretty shooting stroke, good rotation on the ball, good arc on the ball. There's a lot to like. And so like the notion that he's a theoretical shooter and anyone who like believes that he will be that down the line, I think they have a very strong argument for it. But his shooting stroke is so glacially slow that if it takes you that long to get into your jumper in the NBA, you're never going to be actually open in a high level game. And that's something that I think he, the best version of him projects is this like really good DN3 player that is totally up Mike's alley and is actually kind of, I think, an intersection of a lot of our basketball interests, uh, you know, from individual skills. We'll talk more about that later. But in order for him to be that, guys, I think that the jumper has to fall, right? He shot 32% in college as a theoretical shooter, again, right? But he's not actually making the shot. Now, summer league and all of the environment, environmental factors, like throw that out the, out the window. But when I see him shoot, he is so deliberate in what he does that I'm like, mm, the distance between there and where you need to be is a long way. And I wonder what it takes to get there. But then 
last night in the game against Charlotte, he was attacking off of the dribble in ways that it was the most assertive that I'd seen him. And he tried a couple of little bump off moves that he's not really strong enough to do any, but he also made a couple of great crossovers, like really nice, like everything but the finish on a couple of instances that was like, wow, that was a nice move. So I don't know. There's like, I totally see why the scouts like him, but that jumper, man, that the shooting stroke, Mike, it's the one thing that, that gives me pause long-term. Yeah. So first of all, he did have a couple of other creative type finishes. He had a floater, which he also showcased in the California classic, a couple where, and his floater goes mm-hmm. high. Um, I have noticed it's yeah. very high, which makes it tougher to make. Uh, but you know, he, he did, he has made a couple and then he had a little leaner going to his left where he finished off glass. So he's, He's got some stuff in there. I think with the, the shooting, that's probably the biggest reason why he was available at 35. Because if he was a more consistent shooter and he was knocking down 40% of his threes and has a quick, had a quick release, he might go mm-hmm. 15th or something. Yep. You know, so that's part of what you're getting. You're, you're very rarely going to get a completely polished player at number 35. Uh, uh, because that's the type, that's the part of the draft where there's some kind of a flaw, but it's, there's still a good amount of upside there. Um, And and that's not, that's not completely, that's not always the case because you could just also have a prospect who just sort of maxes out at a certain level there. And you think can help in a certain role off the bench because you're not committed too much to him. But um, that, yeah, that's, that's just the only point and whether or not he can, how to the degree to which he can develop and learn there, um, I think will make a, make an impact on his career, but I'm still going to be in my, I'm not going to skew from my traditional perspective here that as long as he can make enough that, that he'll be a useful NBA player. But if he, if he can become knocked down and he can really work on his stroke and get it out more quickly, Mm -hmm. like then, you know, then you've got, then you've got a real, um, real scary type piece. But I like I like even the inconsistent version of that player um, because of the other things that he brings to the table and the fact that you don't have to take him off the floor most of the time because the, the mm-hmm. jump shot isn't ugly enough. And at being six, six, right, even if the closeout is coming, he can still get that shot off enough to where the defense has to worry some about it. Um, as opposed to say like a smaller guard where it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're not even that dude's over there. It's completely fine. We're not changing our defense at all. Go ahead. Yeah. The jump shot. It's funny because when I started to read scouting reports on Max Christie, it was like the shooter who can't shoot (laughs) to a certain extent. Right. (laughs) Yep. Like I'm just being real again. He was a high school American He played in some, I think, like under 18 or like 17 and under Team USA stuff, right? And so like, that's why I was saying earlier that he plays like a kid who has pedigree. It's because he does have pedigree. But remember Anthony Brown? I think that was his name. So I've thought of Anthony Brown several times while watching Max Christie. Like he's the, Anthony Brown is an example of like the, the, worst case i don't want to say worst because anthony brown has a, is still playing basketball overseas right but like i've thought about him so many times over the course well, of watching max Christie. he's basically the only laker pick uh in that yep. range that didn't work out that still isn't still in the nba yes route, right yep. um, yes but but yes so i i don't see brown i felt like was was a bit slower um and more yep. plotting than christy not as athletic yep. uh but but go ahead D. 
No. And so the thing I, the only comp I was going to make to Brown was that Brown was touted as a shooter and he was not a shooter. He just could not make shots at the NBA level. And the Lakers gave him a shot. Other teams gave him a shot and Anthony Brown missed those shots. And now he is not an NBA <laughs> yeah. player anymore, which happens. Christie, what I've liked about Christie is that he has shown other aspects of his game that tell me he's probably going to be a useful offensive player, even if the shot never comes around to the level where you want it to be. Now, that's the thing, man. It's like when your shooting stroke looks that good and your mechanics look that pure, there are typically ways for you to get your jumper to fall more more consistently. But there's also times where it just does not happen for you for whatever reason. The ball is just always missing left or right or long or short, like by three or four inches in a way that your shot goes in 30% of the time instead of 36% of the time. I mean, jump shooting is one of the more volatile parts of basketball, even with the best shooters, right? Like Steph Curry was dominating in, in the finals and then one game, he just doesn't have it that night. Yeah, that's just how it is. Right. So this is going to happen. And so being useful in other respects helps keep you on the court. That's right. And what I've seen from him. So the Hornets game was instructive to me because there he was coming off of a couple curls and attacking the basket right there. He was came off of um was spotted weak side open and then drifted into the open area in order to create a passing angle off of a drive caught the ball and was decisive and got downhill immediately and got a little left-handed layup or that might have been the floater that he hit mike if he is asked to just stand in the corner i think long term if he becomes the requisite shooter that will be fine for him but i've seen twinkles out there right like like oh look at that there's there's a nice little off ball shot or there's a little like gather and then skip pass across oh look here's Mm -hmm. here's a sort of connective player ball read right where he's like okay like fake the pass like rip through drive or skin just he like runs a good lane in transition he like cuts when he's supposed to it's all of these things where it's like it's not what scores the basket but it just keeps things going yeah yeah exactly so there's the other thing too is i looked up his stats and i don't know how many free throws that he shot because the nba stat site is a little bit wonky right now in terms of tracking some league stats and it's probably tell it that's the nba's message to us like like quit being weirdos right like quit looking up summer league (laughs) stats and acting like they're gonna mean something but he's shooting (laughs) i i think he's shooting like 92 percent from the free throw line right now which is an indicator that's just like hey yeah maybe the shooting stroke is good Mm -hmm. and pete you highlighted a made jumper that he hit that was a pull-up jumper and he may just be a guy who at this point is like he doesn't have his long-range mechanics down yeah Right. Like he's an 18 foot and in type of shooter. Yes. Where he's a there's some Brandon Ingram comps as a jump shooter. I too. Gonna, yeah. I was just going to throw out Ingram because I, I spent that whole year on the radio when everyone was like, why? Why can't he shoot? And I'm like, just trust me. He can shoot. OK, he can shoot. He needs to add strength. He needs to add, he needs to like mm-hmm. physically get his body adjusted because he has. To, it's like the same reason that we had that conversation about big men shooting threes where Ibiza Zubats doesn't have to do anything different. When he gets out there, because he's so big and strong, he can just flick his wrist from out there. It's the <laughs> yeah. opposite for guys that don't yep. have the base, where they have to. They have to. It takes more time to get into that. But the stroke and the fact that Ingram could always shoot his whole life, 
Um, anyway, yes, that, thank you for saying that because that was the, the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, so very like 1986 of Max Christie, right? Where it's just like, oh, look at you, one step in, pull up, 17 footer, mm-hmm. right? Like you used to see yep. guys spot up at 18 feet. And it's just like, well, you know, there's a line that's about three and a half feet behind you there that is probably better, right? But that's something they wouldn't learn for another nope. 15 years late, we'll, we'll later or so. But so Christie could easily be one of those guys where the jumper will come along. He'll start to show more proclivity for stretching out his range. And He's 19. Like, there's plenty of other times. If you were to ask me what I would want most for him to show right now as a prospect, it would probably be the things that he's actually showing, right? Which is competitiveness defensively, the requisite amount of offensive feel as like a passer, as a cutter, as a ball handler, and in terms of all the spatial awareness stuff that you need. Um, And then the other things would be shooting, Right. Like I definitely want that to be there long term. But in the short term, I'm very happy with what he's showing in these other aspects of his game. Likewise. Yeah. Very intrigued to watch the development of Max Christie. And I certainly see why he caught the interest of, of our scouts. Excited to see how he develops. There are a couple other guys between Scotty Pippen Jr., Cole Swider. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't gotten to see Jay Huff since he's been in protocols. But a few other guys have, have played well on the team, and we want to get get into them as extensively as uh, we did here with Christy. But we'll do that on, on future pods. But we'll be back tomorrow uh, with an, another pod. We'll see what we discuss. Got a couple of options. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the He's an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Listen! Bryant! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant! Yeah! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.